hopefully today as we, um, as we gather, uh, God can speak to us. I, I'm pretty excited about this series that we're doing on, on, on the subject of prayer. Uh, everybody hear me okay, by the way? We've had a few mic issues. Everybody good? Okay, good. All right. Well, that said, um, uh, any, anybody uh, do any praying this morning? I have to tell you that I, I did some praying this morning. Usually when I get in my truck at about 6, 6.30 in the morning to come in, I try to beat Brian, but Brian beat me again. And that's the problem. When you're trying to race to church, especially on a day like today, uh, it can get interesting. And you know, when, I, when I'm coming uh, into town, a lot of times I'll just, I'll just be praying. I've got sort of a standard prayer I pray. It's my own version of the Lord's Prayer, I guess. But it helps me to sort of get my head in that space where I need to be, where I feel like I'm kind of line, aligning myself with God. Uh, so I'm, I'm coming the back way from my house off of 14 and I'm on Butcher Road and then I go to get on Painter and as I make that transition from Butcher to go up that hill, uh, I find that as I was praying I was going a little bit too fast and I almost slid past the hill turn but I made it and I'm like, I made it because I was praying. And God's like, no, you made it because you were going too fast, but not too, too fast. So I'm, I'm like, okay. So then I go up the hill, and did, I, did you guys know there was black ice this morning? And as I'm going up the hill, my wheels are spinning more and more and more. And then I started praying even more. And I, I was fearful because have you ever gone up a hill whenever it's icy and your tires are spinning and then it just stops? And then you're like, I don't know where this is going because they do not equip your car with a steering wheel or the times that it goes backwards and, and, and it's solid ice. It is just... Hang on for the ride. That's it. Gravity and the path of least resistance. And that's pretty much it. And if you've ever had that experience, it's very unnerving. And I was sharing this with a friend of mine this morning. And he said, yeah, you know that hill by Franklin Square? Have you guys ever seen that hill? Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a tall one. And he said, I was going up that one day when I shouldn't have been. And it was icy. And as I was going up, it, I kept getting slower and slower and slower. And finally, I stopped. And I said, well, what happened next? He said, well, then I started going backwards. But he said, you would not believe it. There was a driveway just a little ways down, and I was able to just turn my wheel, and I went right into their driveway. And I said, you're praying, weren't you? He said, yeah. And God definitely answered that prayer right away. Uh, sometimes God answers it immediately. Sometimes it wait a while, and sometimes God's like, you're going in the wrong direction with it. Just be patient. And as we just take that theme and we try to begin to expand on it personally, um, I, I'm pretty excited because as we look into the season of Lent starting on, well, starting on February 14th, a day of love, okay, you know what I'm saying? Love for God, because it's going to be the launch of our book that we're doing called Draw the Circle, and it's right up here. And so what we want to do is take those foundational words that we talked about in the last couple message, uh, messages on the foundation of the church. You know, the people gathered for uh, the Apostles' Doctrine, you know, reading the scripture. They gathered for, for uh, breaking of bread, fellowship, and then prayer. And prayer is really what we want to focus on 
during the season that is known as Lent. Uh, pretty much from uh, the day of love, which is what day? February 14th, day one, to Monday, Thursday. And as uh, we, we make that journey, uh, we've, we've offered this book for your uh, devotional experience that hopefully you'll take it. If you want to give a $5 donation, fine. If not, we just want to make sure you have it before you go. Or if you have a friend that you want to offer to, please uh, include them. But essentially what we're going to do is go through Mark Batterson's book, um, Draw the Circle. And it's just a 40-day devotional. And I think it'll help us on so many fronts because I believe that what is happening out there, what is happening in here, and what is happening in here, right now in this moment in time, needs lots of prayer. And if we're not on point with it, I think we're going to feel it. And I, I just want to illustrate the, the practical value of that real quickly because I can talk about this sort of in the abstract, but... My friend Susan here uh, has gone through an interesting journey in the last few years. Going to church for a long time, but not really knowing Jesus the way you've come to know him. And so Jesus has kind of been working in her life, phase one and phase two. Phase one has been, I'm going to kind of work on the stuff on the inside, as I know there's some stuff that needs to be replaced with me. And he's been doing it, right? And then he said, okay... Now, I'm going to put you in community. And there's some stuff that we can work on relationally. And God's done that. And then God moved you from there to uh, helping out in, a, in a, basically a correctional facility uh, with, uh, with people that need the Lord. And you went in there, and then all of a sudden, Susan was really starting to struggle and we just saw her going through kind of a dark time and then then it just the light bulb clicked of course anytime you try to advance the kingdom you're going to get resistance or you're going in the wrong direction and so we saw Susan going through her own torment and realized she's being oppressed and then all of a sudden we thought we have to pray for Susan and then what happened? God just said, I got you where I need you now. And then you were sharing the fruit of what's happening in the, in the relationships that they're build, you're building down there. And what do they call you now? Mama Sue. So you've taken Jesus and just basically shown him through your person to people that don't know him. But you've done it in a spirit of love. And that's how the kingdom advances. However, what's going on in the background orchestrating that has to be prayer. And when you start reading this book, um, it, it, it'll, it'll offer a scripture and then it'll offer a story. And uh, it's helpful. I mean, obviously it's not going to drill down deep into the scripture, but it's a, it's a catalyst for it. And the very first day that Mark Batterson offers uh, devotionally is centered on a guy named Cornelius. And in the book of Acts, uh, there is a pretty radical thing happening in the 10th chapter. And basically, uh, if you can imagine two people that are socially and culturally worlds apart converging into a moment in time 
just a short while after they had prayed through the orchestration of God resulting in, in something pretty special. That's the story in a nutshell. But I want to kind of drill down into it a little bit because that story can be our story. And if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, please feel free. But I'm just going to throw some scriptures up on the screen. And I'm going to reflect on them just a little bit by looking at a guy named Cornelius and a guy named Simon, a.k.a. Peter, which should be familiar if you read the Gospels. You know he was right, along, right alongside Jesus for three years. And what happened when those two were praying? Because I don't think what happened would have happened without that being the determining factor. So in Acts chapter 10, um, we read the first part of it in 1 through 7. It's a story of Cornelius. And so let's go ahead and, and, and put that on the screen if we can. Uh, here we read, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, which meant that he was uh, over 100 people. And, um, and he was in the Italian cohort. I was informed this morning in the King James, if you read that, it's the Italian band. Now some people are like, there's an Italian band? There's a British band? There's an Italian band? This is different. A devout man who feared God with all of his household gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in absolute terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended to as a memorial before God. Meaning that God is really getting the devotion that you have to him. That this response is such that he sees your heart. And then he goes on to say this. And now send men to Joppa and bring one, one, one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, sounds like an uh, investigative reporter, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who had attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Okay? Meanwhile, back in Joppa, we read... This scene, the next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. There was a, there was a, a time and a place in history where people would designate times to pray in the course of the day. And for a Jewish person, uh, it, would, it would oftentimes be three times, morning, afternoon, or morning, noon, and evening. And so it was just his habit. And as he's praying... Uh, of course, he's got the whole baggage of the gospel and the storyline of Jesus and the church starting to get off the ground. And he's wondering where it's going to go. And he's getting ready to find out. And so he's praying. And while he's praying, he became hungry and wanted something to eat. Have you ever prayed and all of a sudden your stomach starts growling? You're like, oh, I need to eat something. And then you're like, but should I eat or should I pray? Because if I eat, I may get distracted. But he persevered and while he was praying he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending. Well, let me just rephrase that. 
uh, he said, can you go get me a sandwich? And then he kept going. Being let down by its four corners. Okay, back to the scene upon the earth. And then um, in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him. Rise, Peter. Kill and eat. Which is odd. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean, like, like catfish, bottom feeders, snakes, lizards, hogs, you name it. Not doing it. And then the voice came to him a second time and said, what God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. And in this scene, you're thinking, that's an odd response, isn't it? For the Lord to basically drop on him this vision of this, of this uh, cornucopia of unclean animals that are strictly forbidden within the Hebrew code. And now he's said by a voice that he's questioning, I'm sure, go ahead and eat it. But it really wasn't about the food. It was about his attitude towards that food as it paralleled his attitude towards non-Jewish people. People that weren't of his own kind. And the statement is made in such a way that Peter's kind of taken aback. I mean, this is, this is turning his world upside down. But what God is doing here is, is, is pivotal in the storyline of the church. Because up until that point... All of the energy was focused on just our own kind. Just sharing the gospel with people like us. Which is easy. But when you have to share it with somebody who's not like us. Not so easy. And how did God do it? He said it starts with two people praying. Cornelius is doing his normal Devotion to God that is heartfelt. And God said, I got something for you, Cornelius, that is just going to blow your mind. But the angel was just a messenger of direction. The angel wasn't pouring out the gospel because that's not the angel's job. The job for the gospel is us. And so he just said, I want you to connect up with somebody and you would never make this connection had there not been some kind of divine intervention. And so I'm orchestrating that right now so that when what is about to happen happens, you'll understand why. But Cornelius obediently said, I'll send them into Joppa, I'll set up whatever it is the Lord's doing, and I'll follow the orchestration obediently because I've been praying in my... You know, when you pray you kind of become predisposed to things. Because you're thinking about God, you're thinking about His purpose, and then you're starting to see things that maybe relate to that. And that's why prayer is so important. And he's very attentive to what God is nudging him into. Because he's just been tuning his spirit to God. And then there's Peter. Peter's such an interesting guy in the Bible because he has a reputation for shooting first and asking questions later. He has the capability of saying something before his processor has caught up with him. And yet God has used him time and time again. And in this case, God is saying, I'm going to push you out of your comfort zone even farther than I ever have done before. And P 
Peter's just undone at this point. He's like, all right, Lord, you got me. I'm, I, you, I'm completely turned upside down now. But I trust you. This is how you work, and I'm open to it. And so you know what Peter did? The unfolding of the story is the orchestration of God in establishing something that had never happened before. The advancement of the kingdom from the Jews into, of all people, a representative of the oppressive, tyrannical hand that Rome had upon the very people that Peter came from. Who could undo those social dynamics in the way that we're about to see here, except for God? And I honestly believe that when God gave us the gospel, he also gave us a lot of impossibilities with the expectation that he was going to lead us into them and through them. And that's why prayer is important. If you've ever had an answer to prayer and it has been just so completely impossible... You're like, only God could have orchestrated that. You know, I sent a, a, a daughter off to college. And I'm like, oh, I told my wife, I said, I don't know if she's going to make it or not. Well, she made it. And then I'm like, she's got to get a job. She's a female in the workplace. And I started thinking all negative about the possibilities. Because I've heard of the horror stories of you know, kids coming back home and just staying for a while. And I thought, Lord, please, please, please. And then all of a sudden, he's recruited by a guy who says to Mayim, I know you're a mechanical engineer, but we're going to have you do programming. Which Mayim had just verbalized to me all last year, I'd, I'd rather get into programming. And I'm like, oh wow. Turns out the guy is a Christian and loves the Lord. And I'm sending my daughter off to who knows where, to live around who knows what kind of people. And I've got the most gracious family that she's connected to. And then I said, Mom, you liking your job? He said, I love my job. And I'm like, God, that's you. You've orchestrated this. And that's just a personal testimony to how prayer manages to help accomplish the unthinkable. Now, if you just fast-forward through the story, um, it, it, it goes something like this. They have a conversation. They're enamored by the story of Jesus' gospel life, his death, his resurrection, and then his ascension, and then the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they're just like blown away. Have you ever had somebody say something to you and it was like, I've been trying to connect a couple of dots for a long time. And what that person just said, it was like the right word in the right way at the right time. And that's essentially what happened to Cornelius. God said, I'm making you pray because inside of you there's a hunger for something. And there's a longing for something. And you know that there has to be more. And that's why you're praying. And then when Peter comes into his world, whatever that thing was that Cornelius couldn't give language to, 
became crystal clear. Because Peter just said, this is the way it is, Cornelius. I feel awkward telling you about this. Because I'm not used to hanging out with centurions. And yet, Jesus said, this is what you need to do. So I'm fast-forwarding to the end of 40-some verses to capture this. And as, uh, as the scripture reads, it says, While Peter was saying these things about Jesus' gospel message, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised, that is the Jews who had come with Peter, were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And then, as they were hearing him speaking in tongues and extolling the Lord. And I'm not sure what that means, but I'll just, just trust that God did something pretty fantastic. Then Peter declared, Can anyone without water for baptizing, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. You know what just happened here? Peter has a whole family of people they're followers of Jesus. They are adopted into the family of God through what he accomplished on the cross. Purchased with the blood of, uh, of a savior that made that adoption possible. And now he's expanding the adoption process into, of all things, a Roman oppressor's household. When that occurs, Peter and Cornelius sit down and enjoy a meal together as brothers and brother and sister with his family in the Lord. And it's just, it's unbelievable. But where do we go with that today? How does that matter for you and I? Well, I'm going to have, I'm going to have um, our people here hand out something to you. Because what I want to show you is... Um, it's something that I want to go alongside our Draw the Circle study. And let me just explain a second. How many of you are familiar with something called the Lord's Prayer? Anybody? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And do you know that the Lord's Prayer is a way of sanctifying a space that you are in in that moment? It is a way of bringing God into that equation so that the space that was just sort of like you and the environment all of a sudden has a circle drawn around it where the presence of God becomes manifest in different ways. And what I want to give you is something entitled the House of Prayer. And it's based on the Lord's Prayer. And then it has, a, it has an elliptical circle around it if you're into math. It's not quite exactly what you would call a perfect circle. But hey, isn't the word perfect circle kind of redundant if circles are perfect? So it's a circle. Okay, just trust me. Now, as you look at that, it is a way to begin your, your prayer each day. Just walk in that front door and when you walk in that front door, you're saying, God, I'm sanctifying this space right here. I'm inviting you into it as you are inviting me into your circle of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, I know that sounds sort of like a metaphor or something out there. 
But it's just a reality, people. It is the way to bring God into the equation. Because let me, let me share a story as I move into this house real quickly of another person in, in, in this room. We had prayer gatherings in January, and I, I, I knew going into these prayer gatherings that as soon as we walked out of them, we are going to get opposition. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but there are unseen realities, beings that hate everything about God, hate everything about the gospel, and certainly hate everything about us. And this friend of mine, she was praying with us, and I wasn't surprised, but the next day, she mysteriously has a water break in her house, and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of damage right after we start praying. And you could have said, God, why'd you do that? But you know better. You know that when you start entering into the world of God, you enter into the world of war. But you also know that the cross is all about overcoming in that world of war. And if I were opposing the cross, you know what my strategy would be? I would distort the message. Or I would try to render it not as interesting. Or I would distract the people who are trying to move into it. However, if I was trying to align myself with God, I would I'd be asking questions and I would say, what do I need to know? What do I need to do next? God, what are you moving me into? I wasn't surprised at all when my friend Diane shared that and then we're like, yeah, devil doesn't like us praying. We had a good prayer, prayer meeting going and probably moved, the, moved the, the marker a little bit into the kingdom a little bit farther and that's what happened. But as it turns out, God is going to take every negative aspect of that and work it together for good, right? Because that's what he does. But we have to persevere and we have to trust and we have to continue to pray. When you walk into this house, the very first room on your left is the family room. And this is critical because I don't know how aware you are The family room is the most important room because it defines you. I've had had my moments as a believer where I've had a big pile-on happening where I'm thinking negatively about myself. I'm thinking about my worth. I'm thinking about other people doing things well and me not doing things well. All of this stuff just raining down on me, trying to define me. And then I, I realize, you know what, that's just the devil pressing in on a vulnerability. And God's saying, why are you hanging out there? Why don't you come into the family room and remind yourself of something? The family room implies that I am your father and you are my child. And if anything believers have to wrap their mind around is you can take any status within our culture. It could be a CEO of a company, a president, a celebrity, um, a person that's highly esteemed in the, in the community. Just pick your thing that you would aspire to become. And all of those are very much secondary to the one reality that matters at the end of the day. And you know what reality that is? That you, my friends, if Jesus is your Savior... 
are children of God. And Paul elaborates on that. If children, then heirs. And the devil does not want you to know that. And if you do know it, he doesn't want you to think about it very much. He wants you to think, oh, that's just spiritual stuff for the by and by. No, that is reality right now. And so when you walk into that prayer environment, you're going to get attacked. Now, Diane, is God taking care of you as his child? Absolutely. Because that's just what he does. He knows the stuff that we go through, but he's promised he's going to find a way to make it together, work together for good. But we just go boldly forward. And as we're in that room, we're telling ourselves, God has adopted me into something, and it's pretty special. And now I can move into the other rooms with a sense of certainty that God has given me a foundation to proceed. Now, I've been pretty lucky. My parents have, they've been very loving towards me. And I haven't had to worry about second-guessing their affection towards me. And, and so I, you know, I could say if the rest of the world hated me, those two people, they'd still, they'd still like me. And there's something about knowing, that's comforting, knowing that at least there's a couple of people on the planet that say you're okay. And I'm only making the point because God is always saying, you're more than okay. You're part of my family. I'm leading you into something and through something, but you have to bring prayer into the equation. When the disciples said, Jesus, we know you're going and you're praying a lot. Teach us to pray. And that is what he taught them. Because embedded in that house are a number of rooms that help us to understand all the facets of prayer. And the reason I drew the circle around the house is because I want to show you a couple of pictures. Out in California, they had fires. And it was very devastating. And if you've ever been in those type of um, uh, places, you, you know that there's something called a fire line where the, the, the firemen will go and they will just dig a trench all the way around the area that they want to protect. And the goal is to keep the fire out. If you live in Illinois or Missouri or Mississippi or Arkansas, um, any number of places along the Mississippi River, you'll occasionally see this. Because a lot of people have invested a lot of money in their homes. It's a sacred space for them. However, there are those 100-year floods that we seem to have like every other year. And when they happen, people are like, I'm going to draw a circle around my house and protect this space from the chaotic forces that would ravage against it had I not created that circle that parameter that says this is God's space in our case. In the case of the house, this is our home. It means everything in the world to us. And we're not going to let the chaotic forces of water ravage against it. I want you to know something. We have to draw circles around our lives. When it comes to our identity, we have to draw a circle and we have to say, I am a child of God. And I stand in that circle and there's nothing that can stand against it because it is based on the word of God and the promises of God and the reality of God. Say what you want. God's put me here and you can't change it. 
Um, if, if you watch the, uh, the, the, the State of the Union, which I'm not going to go political other than to make, a, make a, a reference. Within that speech, there was an individual whose name was uh, uh, Ji Seong-hoo, who happened to be a captive in North Korea. And uh, for a long time, uh, he was being persecuted for being a Christian in North Korea and then ultimately tortured. As he was going through the experience of torture, he, um, he recounted that the thing that allowed him to persevere without just being utterly devastated was saying the Lord's Prayer. He just kept saying it over and over and over. kept drawing that circle over and over and over around him. And he said, it just brought me into the presence of the reality of God. And, and, and my tormentors could not break my soul. Because it sustained me. And I thank the Lord that we don't have to live in environments where that's the case yet. And maybe someday, hopefully never. But when we do, if we don't have those things in our lives that are established, those truths that are so critical to our identity, those patterns of behavior that are centered on prayer, we may not be able to withstand the storm. My goal in all of this is simply this. Starting on the day of love, I'd like for you guys to follow with us with the book and be praying with us and asking God, surprise me. I don't know what you're up to, but as I'm just tuning in to you, as we tune into the Lord collectively, who knows? We've had the elders praying since the fall. We've had some, some broad-based congregational prayers. And now we just want to engage everybody. Because we do believe we're fighting a battle. And it is against, as Paul says, when we put on the whole armor of God, the powers and the principalities and those things that are unseen. But we don't need to be afraid if we know how to draw the circle and allow God to keep us in that place where we stand on everything that he is. I want to invite you into that space if you haven't been a part of it. Because the whole purpose of inviting Cornelius into the into the experience was to take somebody who would be your total opposite and say, you're, you're, this is a home for you. God's got a space for you. And we just want to do the same thing because people have done that for us. And we hope that you walk out of here knowing that God does love you, that God does want you to be a part of his family, that you are going to face trials, you're going to struggle, and you're going to sometimes get hammered. But God's going to be at work through his people. And that's us. It was a privilege to pray for Susan because I'd had so many people pray for me. And then it was a beautiful thing to see God just begin to use that spiritual armor to make you sound and strong. We want to do that. We want to help you do that. And we want to grow together doing that. So as we end, um, praise team is going to come up. And however God's leading you, 
we want to draw you into that family. You can certainly talk to me, talk to Mickey, um, and, and, and perhaps at the studio at the end. Come up now. I'll be right there. However it is, put on your Connect card. I'd like to know more about the family of God. We just want to do what we can to enable that. So let's stand up and let's begin this journey. Before they start, I want to pray because I want to get this off on the right track. Lord Jesus, as we bring ourselves before you in a spirit of surrender, trusting that you are the way and the truth and the life, trusting that the reason why you came into this world in all of its brokenness and messiness and all of its deceit and hatred it's because you wanted to see change happen and so Lord we are recipients of so much that you've done and yet we still still feel the effects of the things that remain undone and we ask Lord that you move us a little closer to that place where we need to be as we fortify ourselves in you we pray that you bless this process of devotional reading, reading your word, talking about it with other people, just enabling everything that is good from you to emerge. And taking all of those things in us that are not right, unmasking them, laying them bare before you. And in that painful moment, Finding forgiveness, finding healing, finding reconciliation, finding that in that space of our souls that we kept you out, finding that which is bad being replaced with that which is you. As we begin this journey, Father, we pray that you bless it, bless the readings, bless the season of Lent, as we reflect, give us, Lord, a new day, a new season where your kingdom continues to move forward. In the spirit of Peter and Cornelius, I lift up this prayer and these brothers and sisters. Amen.